Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis, which could lead to psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix treats both. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, 300 mg dose, and adults with active psoriatic arthritis, 150 mg dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent. Being there day and night. And building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. My book release day is quickly approaching, you guys, and I'd love, love, love for you to grab a copy. I know I'm not the only one who's ever thought, gosh, why can't I get it together? Or maybe put another way, I'm such a mess. I've really struggled with believing that everyone else has things figured out, whether that's at work or in relationships with others or in parenting or just following Jesus better. We can compare so many things in life, but there's hope for us, I promise. And I talk all about it in my new book. Go to jamieivy.com slash book to pre-order Why Can't I Get It Together. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey y'all, happy middle of January. Here we are in the middle of January. So great to be here. You know, I love a Monday, I love a January, I love new things, and I hope that you listen to our bonus series that came out last Friday called New Year, Same You, because it is a new year, but guess what? So many things in our life feel exactly the same. We had some great guests on there, Elisa Keaton, Chelsea Sobolik, Rachel Cruz, Nicole Eunice, really, really great conversations that I know are going to encourage you as you walk into this new year. Today on the show, Laura Story joins me. Laura actually has a book that came out in 2015, which basically feels like 17 lifetimes ago, but it's called When God Doesn't Fix It, Lessons You Never Wanted to Learn, Truths You Can't Live Without. And Laura's story took an unexpected turn when her husband was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And so she tells that story in the book. And I listened to this book last year because actually a friend of mine, Nikki, who works on my team, recommended it to me. And I just dove into it and loved it. And I knew I wanted to talk to her. The thing about Laura is that I didn't know her and she's not doing any kind of book tour. And I had the best time talking with her. I really thought, I like this girl so much. So you're going to love our conversation today. I hope it blesses you. Listen, life takes so many unexpected turns for us all the time. And Laura has some really great truths in here that I myself am holding true to as well. You guys, we've had phenomenal guests already on this podcast, and today is no exception. So here is Laura Story. Laura Story, welcome to the happy hour. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Jamie. Well, I'm so excited to have you. And um, I read your book in the fall. 
and just well, actually, I need to confess. I do this all the time. I can't lie. I just like I just like I can't lie. Don't I'm lie. not done with it. No I'm need not to done lie. with it. And so I feel like I'm on the edge of my seat, and I feel like I might get some spoilers in this conversation today. But I'm going to finish it. But I am really enjoying it. So I'm glad you're here today. Oh, thanks so much. Okay, so if people don't know you, would you introduce yourself to them? Okay, so I am Laura. I'm from South Carolina. I live in Atlanta now. I work at a church called Perimeter Church. I've been there 18 years. And so that's like my, that's my big girl job. (laughs) And I also, I write songs and I travel and play music and speak some. Um, But my, my favorite of all of my jobs, I am wife to Martin who um, we'll talk about him in a little bit, and a mom to Josie, Ben, Griffin, and Timothy, who are 11, 9, 9, and 5. I love it so much. I was telling you before we started how those ages are about, I mean, the happy hour is almost 10 years old, and my oldest is almost 20. And so I was Uh parenting these this size of children that you have when yes. I started the show and I just look back and think, man, so much has changed in 10 years and parenting is just, it's, it's so funny how you can parent the same kids for 20 years until they go to college or whatever. And you're like, we've had a hundred different experiences with you guys. Like it's uh-huh. just like we're parenting people. So. Well, I, I think it's interesting that you started a podcast when your kids <laughs> were <laughs> like you, you thought, what should I do with all this extra time? What should I do with my life? I'm, how can I, I mean, make the, things just a little bit crazier? Exactly. Well, the funniest thing is I started it. I'm like, I'll just talk to my friends. It's not going to be anything. And then like, you know, a year and a half yeah. in, I'm like, oh, I just I just built myself a job. That's what I did. I just created yeah. a job. So here we but, are. Uh, golly, I, I think about um, people with kids my age, well, really women any age, any stage of life, uh, how desperately, I mean, like, how desperately we need to hear from other women um, and not even like the answers. Like you don't even have to answer my questions. You don't have to solve my problems. I just need somebody else to be like, Oh yeah, that, you know, I've walked through that too. And it's really hard. Okay. I feel better now. (laughs) We're going to make it. I love it. I saw someone the other day and they were on a stage somewhere and behind them, it said Q and R. And for a minute I was, and there was like a panel up there. And for a second I was like, Q and R, Q and R. And then I was like, question and response because we always do Q and A's like questions and answers. And I was like, that's what I need in my life. I don't expect everyone to have answers. I just need your Uh response. And I was like, so Mm -hmm. I have, that is my new, I don't even know where I saw that, but it's like my new little, I want that to be about life questions and responses. So Laura, are you ready for question and response hour on the happy hour? (laughs) Absolutely. Because I don't have any answers. So that's that's kind of a relief already. (laughs) Good, good, good. Well, um, I read your book this fall. It's called When God Doesn't Fix It, Lessons You Never Wanted to Learn and Truths You Can't Live Without. And I found your book so very comforting um, in so many Mm. ways because I don't think there's anyone who is walking through life who would say, oh, I have made it this far in life and I have no questions for God. I have not endured anything (laughs) that I think is too much or I have not had had expectations where I put on God and he let me down. Mm -hmm. And so although I have never walked through what you and Martin went through, I found myself on the pages and I was super encouraged. Mm -hmm. So I think we should start, just give us a little, give us that 30,000 foot view of what transpired early in your marriage with you and your husband. Yes. So Martin and I have been married for 
almost 20 years. In just a few months, we'll, Congrats, we'll celebrate congrats. our 20th anniversary. We're going to like go to Longhorn or something. I don't know what we're going to do. We got, I got <laughs> to get on that. Um, but within the first two years of our marriage, Martin was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And that uh, obviously it's, it's a shock at any point in time in a marriage, but especially like Martin, we had grown up together. We, we had gone to high school together. He was a baseball player. I was a bass player in the orchestra. So not anything alike. I still uh-huh. can't quite figure out how we, how we met. Well, actually, Which side I know note, Laura, this is uh-huh. my and my husband's story as well. Like I was an athlete. Really? He never played a sport a day in his life. He's a musician. He's an artist. I we I look back and you guys met and like knew each other in high school. We would have never connected in high school. I would have been like, I don't have time I know for what you. you mean. Like he was the um, what's the band person that leads them on the field? Oh, the drum major. Oh, the drum major. Yes, the drum major. Yeah, that's he was like a drum such major. a social faux pas. That an athlete dated the drum. That's exactly. amazing. Anyhow, we met in college, so there's that. But carry on. Yeah, yeah. that was you and Martin. So different. Yeah, we, we met at uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, mm-hmm. which it's kind of like, I'm not I'm not entirely sure what I was doing there, except that I, I wanted to to fellowship with a good-looking Christian athlete. Well, I was going to say, I know so what that, you were doing there. That's for sure. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, we, we had known each other forever, and our families had known each other forever. So when... um when we're starting to notice Martin having health issues, we go to the doctor and, and hear, you know, and honestly we went to several doctors before he was actually diagnosed. But when we finally heard those words, brain tumor, um, it was shocking, but also on some level, I think we were so young and naive. We didn't, we didn't fully understand that that this was like a life altering moment in our, you know, for us mm-hmm. in, in our lives and in our marriage. And uh, the, the doctor was telling us about the surgery Martin needed. And um, <laughs> this is kind of humorous, but, but he was telling us about, you know, all the potential complications. And he had mentioned that Martin may not even recognize me when he woke up from surgery. And, and fortunately after that very first surgery he had, he woke up and, and looked at me and, Laura's story uh and I was like yes he remembers me and he said what what are you doing here and I thought that is the such a weird question Mm -hmm. for him to ask (laughs) and the more we talked the more I realized that he knew me and he like remembered stuff from high school but had no idea that we were married Mm -hmm. and so I got to you know very first day of him recovering from surgery tell him this news I mean honestly I was a little bit nervous I wasn't (laughs) I wasn't quite sure how he was responding. Right. Got to tell him, you know, I'm I'm here because because I'm your wife. We're married, and and I'll never forget his response of him, like his jaw dropped. He was just kind of took a few seconds to recover, and he finally said, "We're married." Yes, <laughs> that was <laughs> like what you needed to the sweetest way yeah. for him to respond. Yeah, so that was kind of that was the very initial. Um, kind of diagnosis. And I, and I said, I, I said that we walked into a little bit naive. I think part of it is we looked at this thing called brain tumor as maybe like a, a bump in the road, like, Mm -hmm. or a, it was like a detour on God's, um, on the road that was God's like wonderful plan for our lives. Yeah. And we were on some level, we were okay with the detour, but 
after Martin, uh, Martin and I ended up, we were in the hospital for about three months. I think the doctor initially said like surgery, outpatient rehab, you'll probably be there a few weeks. But after three months, um, Martin was finally discharged and the doctor, uh, it was, it was interesting because we were very, very grateful. There, there were moments that we weren't sure whether he would make it at all. So we're very grateful that he, that he had survived, that we were finally getting to leave the hospital. We'd been stuck in for three months, but it was confusing also because he wasn't back to normal. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a hundred percent better. So it's that moment of realizing, okay, this actually isn't a detour. This mm-hmm. is actually the road. Mm. So that was kind of the beginning of us figuring out, I think, first of all, like, how do you live with brain injury? How do you live yeah. with um, substantial brain trauma? What does that mean for us as a couple, for us, as, you know, potentially a family at that point? What does it mean for him? Um, but also, uh, there's a whole <laughs> mess of spiritual things that we believed our whole lives that were, that were being tested and in a way that we um, we had to completely kind of relearn how to trust God. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the, the beginnings of all of it. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here, and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike, and it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? 
Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. I love that you said you had this moment of figuring out it wasn't a detour, but it was actually this new road. And I think yeah. that, like I said, when I was talking about your book, that although I have, I'm have i not married to a husband who has a traumatic brain injury, I have things in my life where I have had that same moment of like, oh, actually, uh-huh. this is the way my life is going to be. This is not a detour. There's not yes. a quick fix. And so here you are. I mean, 18 years on the other side of this. Is that what we're looking yeah. at? Yeah. Um. I want to talk about that journey of thinking through that because I don't want to like sugarcoat it by any means. Here you and I are talking about this 18 years later and you were young and all the things like here's what something that you talked about with the detour. I'm at the point in your book where you go home to your house for the first time and you're realizing like you had to go to the bank and you don't know anything. (laughs) And you told the story about how the night before Martin was going to have his first (laughs) surgery, you found him in the office like he was making a spreadsheet of all the passwords and you're like, this is dumb. Let's go have ice cream. And you're all, and then yes. <laughs> when you came home after three months, you're like, oh, we went and had ice cream. He never wrote that down for me. Like you were just, yes. you knew nothing, which. Yeah. And I remember, uh, I remember trying to, uh, to figure out like, who do we get, uh, our, our cable from or like our power? I can't remember. I think, I think it, it was, was the, the power. I was laughing <laughs> so hard. <laughs> and I found out when they showed up to the house to turn it off. Like right. You're like, oh, this like, is where. <laughs> oh, oh, good. I'm glad you're here. I feel like I owe you some money or something. I owe you a couple <laughs> dollars. Yeah. 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 Um, but that detour into feeling like this is actually the road that we're going to be living, yeah. I think is it's a hard pill to swallow. It's a hard thing to do. What did that journey look like for you practically, spiritually, emotionally? And I know it's like we could talk about all three of those for an hour each, but like what yeah. did that look like for you to really kind of did you have to, was it a trust issue? Was it a one foot in front of the other issue? What was that like for you? Yes. All of the above. All of the above. It was a trust issue. It is a trust issue because some of these things haven't necessarily gotten like a lot better. Like we, we've gotten better at learning how to navigate it. Mm-hmm. But some of these things, um, you know, when you see the effects of sin in this world, the brokenness that we live in, that isn't um, that that will get better in some instances, but brokenness as a whole, it will not change until Jesus returns. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it, it gets better, but you never really, um, or at least for us, we've never gotten to the point where we've said, you know, this is great. This is like, we completely understand why God chose this path for us. And I think that, that part of being like a person of faith is, is that you, you don't necessarily have to come to that point is mm-hmm. you literally 
continue just to step out in faith. But logistically for us, so Martin left the hospital that day with um, a brain injury that was the result, whether whether it was from the surgery or the complications or the tumor itself, we, we don't really know. And, and we just know that um, he had suffered a lot of brain trauma. And so something's got better. The things that he currently lives with, he lives with a vision deficit, um, which means he's unable to drive, has, has some struggles with reading. Um, and he lives with a short-term memory deficit, which is the, the bigger of the mm. of the issues um it it affects everything from time conception um he has some just like uh i call it like stamina issues like it, um just fatigue i mean there's so many things kind of wrapped into all of it so in some ways his personality is the same but he has all these limitations that he didn't have before mm-hmm. all these medications and so um our first I don't know, three, four, five years were spent getting the medications balanced and figuring out like what uh, there there are things that Martin has to do every day to keep himself alive. Mm. Like that, it was a so that was a big um, transition for us. Another thing was just trying to figure out like with Martin's limitations if those. <laughs> I don't know how deep we want to go here. If th- if those were part of God's sovereign plan for Martin's mm-hmm. life, how do we accept, you know, grieve those things, grieve the change, but in some ways accept them and establish a new rhythm of life based on those limitations mm-hmm. rather than us always being frustrated that our lives look different, that our marriage looks different, and that now that our family looks different. Uh, and that's a, uh, that's a whole other thing. Cause for a while we just assumed that, um, this, this just meant that we weren't going to be able to have children, mm-hmm. which uh, it, we ended up, uh, <laughs> we ended up diving in there anyway. Yeah. And now we have four yes. but family and parenting look, looks very different. And sometimes we can be resentful towards those mm-hmm. limitations but I'll tell you, Jamie, and this is the thing that God's probably been teaching me the most in the past few years. Um, those limitations are actually the things that God seems to be using the most to develop mm. the character that he wants to see in our kids and in us. Mm. And that's been really special to see. I can't even remember what you asked me. I just Well, I was going to say, <clears throat> I, remember, I remember someone told me one time that um, our family— my family is con- comprised of four children and three of them joined our family through adoption and by no fault of their own adoption is just hard and it comes with loss and there's trauma yeah. and all the things. And that is a brokenness that affects their life and our life and our family and all the yeah. things. And I was talking to a friend and she was like, have you ever thought that maybe that brokenness is one of the ways that God's developing character in all of your kids? Mm. And that was just, it is like, that's a hard conversation to have because where you have to get to a point where you kind of put your hands out and say, if this is what your plan was all along for me, I like surrender to it. Yeah. And there's a part of us as humans that thinks that we're saying that this is feels weird when I say this because I think it might be theologically wrong. But there's a part of us that thinks that we say like, 
well, then I'm okay with it. And then this is good because sometimes it's not really feeling good. And mm-hmm. I'm actually not okay that my kids had to go through brokenness. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so yeah. justifying that theologically in our brains and listen, I'm in, I'm in school right now, Laura, I saw that you went to. Oh, fantastic. To it's my first semester. So all of these like theologies in our everyday life, that's in my brain right now. Uh-huh. That's what I've been reading. So here I am. Um, but you know, I want to ask you this. You say in your book, one of the things that stood out to me, and I don't have it in front of me, so I'll mess it up a little bit, is that you were not going to let your circumstances define your view of God, but you were going to let your view of God define your circumstances? Is that what you said? Or I'm not going to, yeah, I'm going to mess it up too. And, I'm, and I think I'm the one that said it in the first place. But I'm, I'm going to choose to not allow my circumstances to, to uh Define to determine my view how of I God. view God, yeah. mm-hmm. rather than a, a, allowing my view of God to to define how I see my circumstances. Yes, I want to talk yeah. about that because you you guys went into this traumatic experience following Jesus. I think a lot of people go into traumatic experiences in my world that I live in as Christians mm-hmm. following Jesus, and I've seen more times than I want to count these experiences really, really wreck people's faith. And so I think my question for you is why didn't it wreck your faith? Hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. I think some of it is um, like the the church I grew up in, wonderful church, Bible-believing church. So I don't want to make it sound like I was taught anything wrong. I think I came up, I drew the wrong conclusions on my own. It wasn't that I was taught taught heresy or anything. but on some level, I grew up believing, like we had people that at our church that would, that would give testimony and it would be, you know, I went through this really hard thing and then I trusted the Lord, the Lord with it. And now I have this timeshare in Tahiti and everything's <laughs> great. Woo! I want oh, that life. <laughs> exactly. And we begin to think, oh, I guess that's what faith is. Mm. But then you look to the scriptures. It's like, no, actually it's a really different view of faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, faith isn't you trust God as kind of a ploy to get him to relent and do things our way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or uh, I'm going to, or even prayer itself, you know, I uh, can't remember who said it, but someone said, you know, prayer is, is not about bending God's will to ours, but our will to his. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think I had to have, you know, my entire idea of of what it meant to be a person of faith, what it meant mm-hmm. to follow Jesus, uh, <laughs> which is funny enough, you know, we have all these ideas of of what faith is, and maybe the ease and comfort that comes along with total surrender. But then you have a picture of Jesus. You have a picture of Jesus who uh, <laughs> he followed his father in faith. Um, you know, and, and was, I, I think about him in the garden when he mm. was saying, Lord, I really would rather this cup pass. Like, yeah. I love that, just that mm. um, authenticity of, yeah. oh, if there's any other way, like this is hard. Um, but at the end of the day, he says that those beautiful words of not my will, but yours be done and yeah. saying, God, I know this is not about me. I know there's a bigger story here. And ultimately, the road of Jesus, following Jesus, the road of Jesus is to the crucified self. Follow Jesus, you follow him to the cross. Yet I'll have 
things that are happening, whether it's disability, whether it's job loss, what I mean, um, you know, a, a child born with, with a certain limitation, I, I look at those things and it's causing me to die to self. Mm. And I immediately think that, that I've gone, that I've gone wrong spiritually, that God's abandoned me wow. rather than seeing, oh, wait, maybe that is the path of this Jesus. Is the way. Yeah. You know, and I, and I don't want it to sound like, um, God is a malicious God that sends bad things into our life in order to teach us lessons. Cause I, I feel like what, what the Bible teaches us about pain and suffering, there, there's two kind of, um, answers to, to go back to your question and answers. These are, these are actually solid answers because they're, <laughs> they're in the, the Bible. We can call them. They're you can the do Q and A's yeah. if you bring scripture. <laughs> Yeah, but a lot, people ask me all the time, like, so why do bad things happen? And I said, well, I can't, I can't specifically explain your situation, but I can tell you what the Bible says. The Bible gives two reasons. One is Romans 5, where it talks about sin and death of the end of the world through sin, and there will be brokenness here until Jesus comes back. Super, super clear. Um, but he doesn't just give one answer. He gives two answers. He gives Romans 5, but he also gives uh, John 9 where the disciples are looking at this man that's born blind. Mm-hmm. This, this man that's born with the, with this hard road, and this limitation. And the disciple says, okay, so whose who's sin? Was it his sin? Was it his parents' sin? And Jesus beautifully answers, this man was born blind, that the works of God might be displayed. So we have this hope. It doesn't fix all of it. It doesn't always make it feel good every day, but you have these two answers. It's, it's these hard things are, are allowed into my life because of the existence of sin and brokenness in this world, that there will be a day where that's no more, but it, it, it is the reality we live in right now. But that's not the only answer. It's also that God, in his sovereignty, in his ways that are not our ways, in, in his thoughts that are higher than our thoughts, he allows brokenness to remain in some instances so that his work might be displayed in us and through us. Golly, I hear that. And I'm like, amen, amen, amen. And golly, that's hard. I mean, you know, it's both and. And I think I just want people to know that that's okay to feel that way. Like, I think uh-huh. neither one of us are like, yes, I hope something bad happens today uh-huh. so I can give you well, glory, God. But yet we say, we we want you to get glory through all of our lives. Yeah. Well, and I, I see it so clearly in the lives of my children. Well, mm-hmm. one of the one of the verses that God is just so imprinting on my heart over the past few years um, is is again Romans five where where it says rejoice in the you know rejoice in your sufferings and that's like come on Paul really mm-hmm. rejoice in your sufferings but he tells us the reason he said because suffering. Produces, produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint. So I see this in the lives of my children and I mm-hmm. say, Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. When I'm protecting my children from the hard, how could they possibly learn things like endurance, learn things like character? It's not like I can send yeah. them to, you know, vacation Bible school and they come back and have character. You know, <laughs> exactly. they're great, they're great things they can learn at their churches, you know, Bible, all of that. But it's them walking through hard things mm-hmm. that God says, hey, I use those hard things to develop endurance, to develop the fruit that I want to see um, in the lives of your kids. And I see that in my kids, mm-hmm. I, even though as a mom, I want to I shelter them from the hard. Yeah. I'm, 
But then when I think about God, my father mm. dealing that way with me, yeah, that's where I say, okay, God, maybe you're allowing the hard because there's a work you want to do in and through me that, um, that I may not appreciate yeah. <laughs> in the moment. But ultimately, I would say, yes, I want that. I mm-hmm. want to be um, someone who who trusts God with 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 all that I am and all that I have. So, yeah. so I'm I'm a I'm a worship leader and have been a worship leader for a long time. And one of so I've always um, kind of digging into old hymns. One of my mm-hmm. favorite old hymns is "On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand," mm-hmm. and probably my favorite line is he says, "When all around my soul gives way." He then is all my hope and stay. Mm. And I don't think that God just all of a sudden becomes our hope and stay. But sometimes in this life, when we're clinging too much to the here and now, I think he lovingly and gently allows the things that we're clinging to to give way that we might discover that he truly is all our hope and stay. I'm Cindy Lauper. My psoriasis was all over, even on my scalp, which may mean four times the risk for psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix works on both. Cosentix secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis 300 milligram dose and adults with active psoriatic arthritis 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or one Cosentix. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Laura, that Romans 5 is one of my favorite verses as well, and I have clung to it in so many uh, moments of suffering and hardship. Uh, and so I, I, I love talking about it in here and hearing you talk about it as well. I think that there are on the other side of things, which I don't think we're ever really truly on the other side you yeah. know, until we get to see Jesus. But there are moments that we can look at our lives and say, I actually am a different and better person because of what I walked through. Yes. And so I think that when you hear that scripture from Romans 5 and then you've come up and you think, oh, I can remember this season or this time, it actually increases our faith to say, okay, God, I re- I'm looking back and I'm saying, I saw mm-hmm. how you were faithful in the midst of that and I'm going to trust you in the next season. It also, I'm, I'm wondering for you, there are so many things in our life that we think about. Um, one day this will all be made new. Mm. And um, sometimes I think when life is really easy and there's not a lot of hardships, we can forget the fact. And, and, and I also don't think, I think if you have an easy life, you actually don't have an easy life. Like life is just hard. It just is. But yeah. I think that there are some things that consistently remind us that this is not the end, that all things mm. will be made new. And I wonder what does that mean for you being married to your husband who has a disability that beyond a miracle from the Lord in his lifetime will not be made new until he sees Jesus? What does that 
Do you think about that a lot? Like, what does that mean for you as his wife? Like, how does that transpire in your, in your life? Thinking that. Yeah, man, that's a great, that's a great question. And what does it mean to, to long for heaven Mm -hmm. in, in the midst of a still, um, being content in this life? Mm -hmm. I I think one of the things really, there's, there's lament and grief that we don't always practice as believers. I feel I feel like the Old Testament church got it. You yeah. look at the you look at the again as a worship leader. Um I think the majority of the, of songs um we often sing in our churches are songs of celebration, songs mm-hmm. of adoration, thanksgiving, all of and all that's wonderful. Right. Um and and has and has its own place in how we um, hold out hope for for what what God will come and do and make right. But um, the Old Testament church, you look at the book of Psalms, I think the largest category is actually lament. Mm-hmm. And so you see a people who they're trusting in God, but they begin with this honesty mm. about, hey, this is hard. Yeah. This is one of my favorite, my favorite Psalms, um, Psalm 13. And David says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? And I, I love that, like, God's, like, putting together the Bible. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, Paul's written some good stuff. We should include that. And then you have this thing from David that found, that sounds like this, like, really bad Instagram rant. Yeah, like, at 2 a.m. Exactly. Like, what's that? <laughs> God, I feel like you've forgotten me. And the fact that God goes, oh, I want to put that in there. Mm-hmm. I want my kids to know that when they're having, when they're going through a hard season, um, it, it having faith doesn't mean you just turn that frown upside down. Mm. Having faith doesn't mean that we're like, um, that we're doubting God's goodness when we grieve the loss of a child. Like, mm. I love that God supports and encourages, like he's given us these emotions. Yeah. Um, and a lot of us acknowledging the brokenness that we experience is part of us um, kind of remembering that we were not created for this place. Mm. Um, but so often we as believers skip over that that grieving part. But it's not grieving as those without hope. It's also, yeah. again, Psalm 13. Um, he ends with saying, I've trusted in your loving kindness. My heart will rejoice and that, that rejoices. My heart will choose joy. I'm just going to choose joy. Um, He said, because, uh, you know, I will sing to the Lord because he's dealt bountifully with me. Mm. And it's remembering the goodness of God, even in the midst of the hard, acknowledging the hard, but choosing, um, choosing to rejoice, choosing to trust um, because we are part of a bigger story. Mm -hmm. If we understood all of it, I'm not entirely sure that we would still want to worship him as God. Mm. He is a wondrous awesome God that we can't always understand, mm. um, but he is so worthy of our worship, even in those hard seasons. Mm. It's almost like he's indescribable. You like that, Laura? <laughs> that was my I one goal with today's there, interview. Baby. I see what you did. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I love that so much. And you, you know, you talk about this bigger story that we're a part of, and you talk in your, in your book about what you and your husband went through about how important the church was for you guys in the midst mm-hmm. of that. And yeah. um, I, I remember that you were talking about when, I guess it was his first time in the hospital, um, people would come up and just say, that, like, 
the most crazy thing. I literally said out loud, oh, no, she didn't. I said that out loud as I was listening to your book. <laughs> when you said that I a woman, that. Yeah, yeah. When you said a woman said to you, like, it's okay if he dies, God just needed more angels in, the, in, in heaven. And I was like, what? I can't believe yeah. someone said that to your face. But you talk about the way that the community loved you um, in that the people who just showed up and didn't need to do anything or fix anything. Yes. It's almost like that Q&A thing I keep coming back to. They didn't have answers for you. Yeah. Their response was literally just to be with you. And and then, mm. and then you talk a lot about what your community meant even afterwards and how the church is really God's people. I would love to hear your thoughts on like what it was like to have people walk alongside you in the midst of your hardest season in life. Yeah. It really was, it really was interesting, you know, so I'm on staff, I've been on staff at Perimeter 18 years now. And so and like, you were on staff am, right when this happened. Is that what I remember? Yes, yeah. We, we had been on staff about five months Okay, be- yeah. before all this came to light. And, um, well, I'll tell you this too, and I think I include this in the book. Um, so before, right before we were so we had talked to them about us coming and we were getting ready to come. And, and it was about six weeks before we were about to leave. And Martin, it was, he was tired, but he also was a little bit forgetful and we knew something was wrong. We did not know what was wrong. And our, so both, you know, we're from South Carolina, both families uh, still there. Martin's parents in North Carolina, but we just, we, we thought we can't, we can't leave this support system um, right now. And I remember calling uh, Randy, the, the guy who hired me, and just kind of trying to explain to him, hey, there's some stuff going on, and I'm not entirely sure that we should go. And it's like he wouldn't even let the words get out of my mouth. And he had no idea what was going on. Yeah. But he just said, he said, you guys, I believe God's called you to be part of our church. You just need to load that U-Haul, get here, and we will take care of you. And it's exactly what happened. Mm. And uh, as someone who, um, you know, you grow up and to prize productivity and efficiency, and it's like, I'm not going to be a burden to anybody. You know, Mm -hmm. you show up, and I've been there five months. I was there five months. And then I took like three months off <laughs> yeah. to be with my husband in the <laughs> yeah. hospital. And I felt like, I just felt like such a burden. Mm-hmm. Um, but really it was, it was such a spiritual process in the sense of, you know, up to that point, my spiritual life had, had always been all these great things I could do for God, you know, cause he really needs us to do these great right. things for him. Um, and I, you know, as a, as an artist, I've always been a performer and realizing Oh, what, wait, maybe as a Christian, I've always been a performer also. Mm. Um, and so not only did God bring me to a place where I had, I wasn't doing anything for him. I wasn't, I mean, and I, I grew up like I was a consistent, I've always been like super consistent, quiet time girl. Uh-huh. I'm doing the Bible studies. I'm filling in all the blanks, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And I got to a point where I just wasn't doing barely any of that. If, if uh-huh. I opened my Bible, and read like a few a few verses one day. I'm, I was doing well, so I got to a point where I wasn't doing anything um, to contribute to either either my church, my church or my spiritual life. Mm. And all of a sudden, the body of Christ comes around me, and church changed from 
a place that I would go where I kind of felt like I had to be in a certain mood in order mm-hmm. to participate. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, it was this group that came around me. Wow. And them entering into my brokenness, entering into our messiness. And, the, and it changed kind of when we ended up coming, when we were able to come back and, you know, attend the gatherings at our church. I, they'd already seen me at my absolute worst, like mm-hmm. absolute worst mm-hmm. that it, it, but it, what it, it made me long that everyone would experience church that way. And I know that mm-hmm. that's not the case, um, yeah. but that is something that I do long for. Mm. Well, Laura, I so appreciate our conversation today, and it has just made my heart so happy on this Wednesday morning to start my day with you. And I just really am hopeful that there are going to be people listening who are just going to cling to not just our words as if they're truth or your words, but just really like, like you said earlier, like, oh, someone else gets it. Like, I think that's what is so helpful sometimes is like, I'm not alone here. Uh, So I'm super grateful. You guys, uh, I know you've written other stuff, Laura, but this book, When God Doesn't Fix It, Lessons You Never Wanted to Learn, Truths You Can't Live Without, I highly recommend. When did you write this book? Do you remember? 2015. Uh, I just read, I just looked it up, 2015. Yes. I cannot believe it's been almost 10 years. It's crazy. Crazy. Uh, actually, next, yeah, almost crazy. Uh, okay, Laura, I want to end with this. I want to ask you, what are you reading these days? Anything you're loving that you're dying to tell us about? Oh, my gracious. What am I reading? These? I just finished this tiny little book that Union and Crossway, I think they're, they're the, it was like co-pub thing mm-hmm. by a guy named Gavin Ortland called Humility. Oh. So good. <laughs> I've heard about this book. It was if you were to say like, what are you enjoying reading? That's not a book I'm, I've been enjoying <laughs> reading, but it's been such mm. a needed. Um, oh, I've, I've just needed it. It's That's awesome. It's been, it's been fantastic. So yeah, you could check that out. Um, maybe, maybe that's it because I have four little kids. And so oh, like wow. reading Thomas, the train, yep. I'm reading <laughs> all kinds of you know, little engine that could, but as I far as it. like adult stuff, that's probably the only thing I'm reading. Okay. Awesome. I love it so much. Well, Laura, it's been a joy to have you on the show today. Thank you for just letting us into this season of life and helping us all um, just kind of see Jesus better in a better light just by listening to you talk about him. So thank you so much. Well, Jamie, thank you for what you do. I feel mm-hmm. like you um, hosting these conversations that and and the fact that you do it in a question and response way not trying to fix everything, mm-hmm. um, but just being open and, and vulnerable and letting the Lord use that. I appreciate Aww. you. Let me be part of it. Thanks, Laura. Guys, my biggest news so far of 2024 is that I have a new book releasing and it comes out February 13th. So we're about a month away and it's called Why Can't I Get It Together? Kick unrealistic expectations to the curb and rest in God's truth. Okay, this is super exciting because this is what Publishers Weekly said about the book. It says, Ivy strikes a relatable tone that will easily earn readers trust. Her steadfast reassurances to chase holiness rather than looking or feeling like you have it together resonate. This will be a balm to stressed out believers. That was from Publishers Weekly. So that was super exciting to hear them say that. And gosh, what a gift to know 
that my book feels like a balm to stressed out readers. I really hope that you feel that when you read it. You guys, I would love it if you would check out my book. Go to jamieivy.com slash book. Super easy to remember. There you can read about it. You can pre-order it. And as I say all the time when I interview guests, pre-orders really matter. If you think you're going to order this book, just order it today. It's really, really great. So go to jamieivy.com slash book for all of the information on the book. And while you're there, you guys, we have a phenomenal launch team. And a lot of times launch teams were like, hey, you gather these like 25 or 100 ladies and they help you launch the book. I'm looking at this differently. I want you to know. First of all, I think that the best way to sell books is for it to change people's lives and let them tell their friends about it. And so I believe in this book so much that I think it will do that. But we want to have a place where we can get together and talk about it leading up to the book launch. Now, you're going to have weekly live calls with me. We're giving away some phenomenal things. In fact, the biggest gigantic end of the launch team giveaway is a weekend stay here in my town. Uh, And you get to come and we get to hang out. But so many giveaways along the way that I would be so honored and excited to have you over there. So go to jamieivy.com slash book, and there is all the information. The Happy Hour is produced and hosted by myself, Jamie Ivy, with assistance from Nikki Ogden and Ashley Caldwell. And the show is edited by Jason Talley. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.